Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. Well, hello, everybody. This is David Warren. I am a co-founder and chairman of the board of Bridgeford Trust Company here with another episode of our podcast series. Um, the purpose of the podcast uh, over the last uh, couple of years now is to uh, bring big ideas and talk to people in our industry overall uh, that are doing neat and interesting things. And uh, today certainly is no exception as we have the pleasure of having Tate Johnson join us. Tate is somebody that I have recently met, I suppose, maybe last year, year and a half, um, at Brook Hollow. He's an attorney by training and uh, actually had his own law firm for a while. And, and Tate, I, I didn't realize, or maybe I should have remembered, you you hail from Ohio. Is that right? That is correct. The Buckeye State. Perfect. Sure. So I was born in Toledo, uh, Ohio. Oh, and, my gosh. And, and then they asked me that. to leave. Yeah, yeah, we're a couple of Buckeyes. Well, it's not surprising, David. <laughs> I know it doesn't surprise you at all. Um, but uh, interesting. I, I want to go through a little bit of your background because I think it makes what you do now and the company that you lead even more um, relevant. Um, you practice law in Ohio. looks like you were a litigator and did some personal injury work. I was also a litigator as well, but on the defense side, uh, representing uh, companies and individuals who got sued by people like you. So, uh, you know, I, sure. I still like you anyway, though, Tate. It's fine. Yeah, we, we call those guys the bad guys. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm very familiar. <laughs> Perfect. And I'm sure you missed that as much as I do. I would say the grind of litigation is exciting and, and great as it was. I, I don't, I don't miss it. I'm happy to uh, happy to not have to fight it out in the courtroom and deal with unpleasant judges anymore. But uh, but it's great to see we actually have an interesting similar background. And you know what what brought you to Brook Hollow, and we're going to get into more detail of what Brook Hollow is. Uh, but as I've told you uh, multiple times. Our collaboration and the work we're doing together is so exciting to me because uh, at Bridgeford, we love big ideas. Uh, that was why we started Bridgeford, because of the big idea around how to how to bring sophisticated asset protection and privacy and, and really modern trust law uh, to families. And, uh, and you are coming at a big idea from a different direction, um, but very similar in terms of how you're serving the lawyer community. And I have to tell you, Tate, I, and I mentioned this before, I, I was not even aware of this type of planning for attorneys, uh, and in particular, um, plaintiff's attorneys, uh, that we'll get to in a minute. So this is why we really appreciate you being a part of this. I think our listeners are going to be very, very interested. Uh, we do work with a lot of attorneys across the country, and, and I, I think that uh, a less, uh, maybe more of them know about this than, than I do, and that probably speaks to my own ignorance, but I, I'm excited to have the story told and to be able to have our listeners understand this is a, a, a compelling planning tool uh, that's uh, not widely known, or at least in my circles, anyhow. So again, Tate, welcome, and uh, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about what Brocalo does and kind of the partnership we've started to develop with with uh, Bridgeford. Thank you. So let's go back and tell me a little bit about your history. How did you transition, I guess, away from the tr- practice of law and uh, into Brocalo? Yeah, so it's it's actually a little ebb and flow. I actually started out of college in the finance world. Um, I was an auditor uh, for a couple big uh, chemical companies and then for public accounting, 
uh, for about four or five years before I decided to, to, to go ahead and go to law school. So had a few years before law school to kind of cut my teeth in the business world. Uh, and then my mom was a corporate attorney. So I decided after a few years that if I wasn't going to do it, I probably never would. So went to law school and uh, went up east and uh, basically came out of law school not thinking I would practice, but uh, looking for something, uh, kind of a hybrid between legal and business. And and I found that in a company in the mass tort litigation space that that did healthcare lien resolution. Um, so I did that for a few years. We built that business uh, up to a pretty critical mass. And then uh, it was time to kind of look for the next opportunity. And so that's how I kind of landed at, at, uh, at Brook Hollow. Um, you know, I've kind of sporadically handled cases on the side, both as primary counsel and just referring co-counsel. Uh, so the law firm has always been kind of a, a side hustle, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. if that can, if that's a thing. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of, you know, I'm back, you know, full circle into the finance world, I guess, at the end of the day and helping attorneys figure out what to do with their, their, uh, you know, fees when they do finally come in. Well, and that's where we want to transition to. I, I think that that's, that's a, a compelling planning opportunity. And, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've often wondered about when I practice law, when, when mass tort litigation would settle or, or go to court and these attorneys would um, win and, and, and well, you know, well-earned, very, very large settlements. How did they plan? How did they work on that? I, I focused a bit uh, when I stopped practicing law and got into the trust space with um, with some uh, plaintiff's attorneys who would need trust planning. But what you're doing at Brook Hollow is, is so much more sophisticated in conjunction with trust planning. So let's, let's describe that a bit. Um, but actually, before we do, could you tell me about the genesis of Brook Hollow? How did it begin? And, and, and could you just describe it overall for us before we get into what I think is pretty, pretty sophisticated planning? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, even today, our foundation is really on the concept of a structured settlement. So the founders of Brook Hollow came from the structure world. Uh, they called on attorneys who had clients in large you know, personal injury cases for the most part and did structured settlements using life company annuities. And that's really kind of the, the, the genesis of the concept of an attorney fee structure or deferral. So after years and years of our original founders doing that, they sort of were like, what are we going to do with the attorney's fees? We're losing a lot of opportunity here and just doing the mm-hmm. client, the client structures. So, you know, although the concept of structuring a legal fee is not new, it's been around since the 80s. Um, the concept of doing it with a market based investment vehicle is really where Brook Hollow kind of carved, carved a new path, if you will. Um, you know, it, it was founded back in 2007, 2008. Um, mm-hmm. Not a great time in the financial markets to try to build a new product. Um, ironically, it was it was actually started more to handle 1031 exchange failures. So so taking those oh, funds those funds that would become taxable and, and and converting them to essentially a structured sale or an installment sale, um, and then very quickly realized this whole mass tort world was a really good opportunity to do. Uh, legal fee structure or deferrals because it's v- usually very large sums of legal fees that have huge tax implications. And so Mercalo really evolved into a mass tort slash, you know, class action legal fee tax solution, if you will. Um, 
So that's that's really kind of how it evolved from the days of structured settlements and just looking for new ways to get involved on the legal fee side, just not leaving all that money on the table. Um, and so that's kind of that was that, that was the origin. Of course, we've enhanced it and added a bunch of bells and whistles over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the mass tort space is really our primary market um, just because it's large sums of legal fees. It's usually the legal fees are, are settled using what's called a qualified settlement fund, which mm-hmm. makes doing structures and, and deferrals much easier from a logistical standpoint. So, sure. you know, it's, it's uh, some of it's boring to be quite honest with you. Some of it's the boring mundane details, the logistics of the, of the legal fees, but you know, where it gets exciting is, is, is talking to lawyers about, Hey, you know, you can use half of this money next year after you pay your tax bill, or you can put 100% of these dollars to work. And that's really kind of the, the message that we start with. No, and I, I love that message. Uh, I think anything that, that um, utilizes proper and legal tax efficiencies is, is exciting. That's, of course, what we do at Bridgeford. Okay, so let's break this down. Um, an attorney has a mass tort settlement or, or, or a verdict or whatever, and, and, and his 25 or 35% is $100 million. And you're sitting in a meeting with him or talking to him on the phone and, and maybe dealing with his estate planning attorney and other advisors. Walk me through the process in terms of what happens first and next, because I think that that's where, uh, while you say maybe the details are, could be a bit boring, I think the, the end result, though, is pretty exciting. I mean, I see that in some cases you can save as much as 45% uh, in taxation, which is pretty amazing. So, so talk me through the steps and, and, and how, you, how you position it with, with the attorneys. Yeah. So, you know, let's use a real real world example that's kind of top of mind, at least for me. Um, The Roundup litigation is something that most everybody is Mm -hmm. familiar with. There Mm -hmm. was actually some Supreme Court decisions over the last week that had very good positive ramifications for everybody involved in that. Um, But, you know, first of all, let me just step back. These relationships with these attorneys start years and years ago. Okay, I mean, these are these are folks that take The sales cycle is between five and seven years on some of these deferrals. Oh, wow. Um, So, you know, I've been building relationships for upwards of eight or nine years. And quite frankly, my prior uh, engagement, my prior position was in the same space. Right. So Mm -hmm. I've been I've been getting to know these players, if you will, for 13 years. And, you know, it might be worth stating that mass torts in that world is actually a pretty tight knit world. And there's only. I would say there's 40 law firms, maybe, that control every mass tort. It's probably more like 20 or 25 that are leading leading the charge on most of them. Um, so, you know, to your question, it's building a relationship over a long period of time so that when they finally do have money coming down the pipe, uh, you know, they trust you and they're going to listen to what solutions we're going to bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. So we really try to sit down and as I'm sure most folks understand, the mass tort community is is a is a life of ups and downs and it's it's uh, highs and lows. I mean, one one year you might make a bunch of money, the next year you might not bring in a penny. Mm-hmm. And so t- kind of dealing with that cyclical nature of their their revenue is a huge part of what we focus on in these conversations. Uh, you know, we're, but but ultimately I usually started off like this. Hey, what what are you trying to accomplish with your legal fees, regardless of whether you use Brook Hollow? 
because Brook Hollow mm-hmm. is all we are, and I don't mean to minimize it, but all we are is a set of tools. We're, we're a platform to enable lawyers to make much more efficient use of their legal fees from a tax standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we ask a lot of probing questions. Number one, you know, what lawyers in the firm are even interested? You know, not everybody has to do a deferral in the firm if, if the fees are being split amongst many partners. So we kind of understand the dynamic of the law firm. We understand the needs of the law firm from a, from a cash standpoint. And then, of course, for each individual partner that's interested, we ask a lot of questions about what, they, what goals they have in their financial planning. And we try to tailor the deferral solution to achieve any or all of those goals using a variety of, of transactions, uh, terms, different terms for payouts, different investment strategies that our investment partners bring to the table. So it's a, it's a, it's an evolution. It's an iterative process, to be honest with you. It takes several meetings to even get to a point where there's decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it, it's, you, you know, you, you develop these deep relationships and you really leverage those throughout the process. Sure. Well, mechanically, talk us through or explain to me how the deferral actually works. What are the what are the factors or the attributes, I suppose, of why this deferral works in the first place? For sure. Yeah. So back to the roundup example. So some of the early firms I happen to have good close relationships with the early firms that got things resolved in roundup. So once you know. There is a lot of planning that goes into this even before we can do a deferral. So we work with the firms to set up what's called a qualified settlement fund, which just about every mass tort uses to settle the case. It's it's a glorified bank account. It's a court-ordered bank account that the settlement funds are paid into by the defendant, and it's a holding vehicle. It's a repository. So let me just interrupt you for a second. Sure. So, so, it, so it, it, right out of the gate, then I, I'm hearing you say these these funds never really actually go directly to the plaintiff's attorney. It goes into a separate fund, right? That's not absolutely. So it doesn't really even sort of hit their estate, is what I'm hearing you say. So go ahead, please continue. Yeah, it doesn't hit their law firm. More importantly, and quite frankly, what QSFs were really designed for was for the clients, the claim, as I mm-hmm. refer to them, the claimants. Um, because it doesn't trigger constructive receipt. So it doesn't kick them off any needs, needs-based benefits. It doesn't affect anyone. The reality is a QSF is a substitute defendant. It's just, uh, it's they're stepping in the shoes of Monsanto and they're holding the settlement dollars while the entire settlement program is administered. And sure. then at some point, the funds are ready for disbursement. It's another trust account is really what it is. Um, sure. And so at some point, the funds are ready for disbursement, both to the clients and the lawyers. And that's really the point where our real work happens um, to design a deferral program from there. So just to kind of step back, the funds are paid from Monsanto in that example into a qualified settlement fund. They sit there until each case is processed and approved. And those dollars are then available for disbursement. And then the planning happens from there. Got it. As far as, you know, just to take it one step further, you know, once once the attorney says, okay, I'm interested, I want to do this for some portion of my fees in this case, then we put together a plan. We sit down, we model out various scenarios of when they might take the fees into income, what investment returns they might anticipate, so on and so forth. And we design a model uh, that they are comfortable with. 
and that becomes the actual terms of their deferral. And okay. so the funds are then sent just like a structured settlement from the qualified settlement fund over to the assignment company, which in our case is in Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. And then the assignment. And, and why is that? If I could inter- interrupt, why, why Dublin, Ireland? What, what's the, what's the magic there? You know, that's a very common question. First of all, using the, the foundational principle of assignment um, of these legal fees, being outside the U.S. is, is a critical component. So then you must have, ask yourself, why Ireland? Why not Barbados? Why not somewhere else, right? That was my next, that was my next question. <laughs> and that's what everybody asks. Um, when this was set up uh, many years ago, obviously, we looked at everything. And Ireland seemed to be the best fit for us from a regulatory standpoint, from a transparency standpoint, from a workforce standpoint, you know, all the things check the boxes, mm-hmm. not to mention there, you know, there in a U.S. tax treaty exists and the favorable uh, tax treatment or more importantly, the accounting over in Ireland allows not only the original deferral, but all the growth on the deferred assets to be tax deferred. Um, so that's a really important component here, you know, cause if you, you know, tax deferral is only as good as when you have taxes to deal with. Right. So, um, it allows us to take, let's just use an example and round up a $10 million roundup legal fee that a lawyer might be bringing into their law firm and, and maybe pay upwards of 50% to the government immediately. We're facilitating them to defer 10 million of income, plan it out over time and then receive that income over some period of time in the future, at which time they would be taxed on it. In the meantime, okay. it's invested, it's growing, and there are no tax implications during that lifespan. Yeah, so let's slow down on that point. Sure. I think that's one of the most compelling aspects of the, of the plan. So I understand the, the, the movement of money for sure. And I think what I want our listeners to catch, though, was that when the money moves to, in this case, Ireland, it still doesn't become a taxable situation for the plaintiff's attorney. And I think that's where uh, it becomes, as I said, very, very compelling. And, and there's so much more control that, that they have over, over uh, well, their planning overall. Absolutely. The, the first thing I usually say, say to people when I'm explaining this is this is a 401k on steroids. That's really what it is. It's got a lot of a lot of bells and whistles. It's got none of the restrictions of a 401k. It clearly is not just for retirement planning, but at a very, very high level. And just to get your head around it, it's a 401k for contingent lawyers um, to be able to plan in how they receive their income. You know, because if we step back to our earlier conversation about how lawyers have a lot of income one year and no income the next, and more specifically contingent fee lawyers, this allows them to smooth out those highs and lows. And that's really what it becomes. Well, and I love it because and it's very consistent of, of, of what we do with what we do at Bridgeford is really you're delivering a whole lot of control to these attorneys uh, to, uh, to make really important decisions. And I think it's, it's excellent. Um, so let, didn't mean to slow you down. So once oh, no, that is established and, and so they talk to me about the investments. I mean, do they have uh, full discretion in terms of who can manage the money or, or, or are they, uh, are they limited? Yeah. So this is a good, good place where I'll start to weave in our, our partnership with Bridgeford because it's critical to this. Um, so out of the gate, the attorney would select as part of the deferral who they want to manage the assets while they're deferred. 
we do not do that. That's not what, that's not our job. That's not, that's not our role. Um, we facilitate attorneys, you know, bringing investment folks to the mix here. Um, we have a standard set of partners, if you will, that manage the money, folks like JP Morgan, RBC and others. Um, and those work well, but in a lot of cases, our lawyer clients would prefer to select some other money manager. And so they can do that. Of course, we have all kinds of controls in place to ensure they can't quote unquote control the money while it's deferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we protect them from themselves in that way. And one of those, one of those ways is by using a, um, you know, a, a, a partner like Bridgeford. Um, so that the funds, you know, keep in mind, the funds go to Ireland and ultimately are back with a U.S. custodian within a day mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once they come back and they're custodied in the States and then they're invested and managed by some investment manager, um, that's where, you know, the investment component, the growth, the, the long term benefits really come into play. And in order for, to facilitate that, we, we often look to partners like Bridgeford. Um, mm-hmm. who are able to kind of be that custodian here in the States, interface with the money managers and allow those folks to do their job, uh, even in the case of an Irish entity being the the original source of the funds. Sure. Well, and I love it. And I think that's where, as you say, the partnership is, is uh, even makes your program um, even more compelling. Because you're, what we're talking about is the ability to set up a sophisticated trust. So you take an already powerful planning tool, tax planning tool, and then on top of that, using modern trust law, you add and can add concepts like asset protection and, and still shield from taxation because these trusts are set up as foreign grantor trusts because, of course, it's an entity outside of the United States that's establishing it. And so although... South Dakota law in this case applies, and it's it's theoretically custodied um, by a U.S. trust company. It still remains, though, outside of the United States and outside of the the, the IRS from that perspective, which um, which marries together just a whole myriad of of sophisticated concepts. I mean, we, we we've already hit on the tax play and why what you're doing even without a Bridgeford is so compelling. And then now we're talking about adding asset protection and privacy and and even more control by utilizing the directed trust structure. So, you know, when you first explained this to me and um, and it was and I first understood the company, uh, I, I felt like it was a natural marriage to take uh, two very uh, sophisticated handful of planning tools and and put them together to to really do some amazing planning. And we've done I guess three or four of these together. And I, I'm a big proponent. I'm a big believer, not not only just in the Bridgeford piece, but even without a Bridgeford piece, this is this is very powerful. And you know, how many of these have you done over the years, or, or, or generally speaking, how many do you think you've done? Yeah, we've done. I think we're up to about 415 transactions. Um, wow. You know, the the numbers, the total fees deferred through us is up in the 450 million, pushing 500 million by the end of this year for sure. Um, you know, and, and there's some big there's some big ones coming down the pipe that are going to take that way, way north of there. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's been an evolution. You know, we started out very, very simple uh, with essentially one money manager partner and a very simple set of parameters to do the deal. Uh, we continue to, you know, every single kind of enhancement to our program, including the, the Bridgeford piece, 
really comes from client requests. It comes from clients mm-hmm. saying, hey, could we do it this way? Can we do this? How about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go put our heads together. We reach out to the marketplace and we find find solutions. And that's really, mm-hmm. you know, from a from a competitive standpoint, there are some other folks out there doing similar things to us, but we really pride ourselves on being a customizable, you know, just a, a really unique solution where we take what a client is looking to do and within the bounds of the, of the rules and regs and all that good stuff, we put together some really cool programs. Um, and Bridgeford is, is one good example, right? You know, I, I know that uh, my former colleague, Brian Michaels, you know, found you guys and, and, and uh, you know, was looking for a solution. And quite frankly, I think we started out that process just looking for someone to custody the assets, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the other benefits from the South Dakota trust standpoint, asset protection, privacy, all those great things are really bonuses as far as I'm concerned. And I've learned a lot about them. Um, so it just adds to the to the level of, of you know, enhancement that, that Bridgeford's able to bring to it. No, I appreciate you saying that. And, and I love the way you describe uh, your evolution because Bridgeford's very similar. We, we like to lead with yes. We're a wildly entrepreneurial group and we've evolved really the same way, which is problem solving. And we don't like to say no. And and, the, and, we, and frankly, we, sh- we shouldn't have to unless, right, it's legal or, or it's just not, not, uh, not appropriate, which of course this isn't. This is very legal and very appropriate and, and very powerful. One of the things I noticed in terms of evolution, I think, of your program is the ability to, to leverage the, the deferral to create a line of credit. That's interesting. And I don't think I realized that until taking a closer look at the website. Talk to me about that and, and how, how often is that utilized by your clients? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that, brought that up. You know, it's, it's one of those things that um, gets a lot of attention. Uh, it sounds too good to be true. And that's the mm-hmm. first thing people say. Um, the good news is we have we have beat this thing up for years and years and just about every one of our clients who do any substantial amount of deferral, you know, have their own people look at these things. Right. So um, the loan feature is a really, really powerful feature of our program. It may or may not apply to any particular deal. Some folks mm-hmm. don't care about it. Others are doing the deferral primarily to be able to use this loan feature. Um, it depends on the situation, but you got to keep in mind, some of our clients are, are expecting 10, 20, $30 million in legal fees, but may have 20, 25, 30, you know, million dollars in high interest debt that, that allowed them to, to acquire those le- or, or, or produce those legal fees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a lot of uses for our loan. One of them is simply a refinance transaction where they're trying to use a deferral in conjunction with a loan to take out another lender. Um, or they're looking to borrow, you know, dollars using their pre-tax deferral um, as the source of funds mm-hmm. to go buy real estate, to go, you know, invest in private equity deals, whatever the case may be. So very, very quickly, I'll tell you really how it works. Um, day one, attorney does a million dollar deferral. The following day, or at any point over the term of that deferral, the attorney could call Brook Hollow Capital, which is a separate entity. Mm-hmm. I want to borrow some money. Brook Hollow Capital says, "Well, we've got a place we can we can borrow money from and lend to you. So let's let's take a look at that." And Brook Hollow Capital goes over to the assignment company in Ireland and says, "Hey, 
Kenmare, which is the name of the company. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to borrow some money. So practically speaking, there's a loan that exists between the deferral account and Brocalo Capital. And then there's a separate loan that exists between Brocalo Capital and the attorney. So they are independent transactions, both independent from each other and independent from the deferral. And essentially what it allows folks to do is do a deferral and then do a loan using their deferral account as the source of funds on the loan, but not borrowing it directly from their deferral and then go put those loan proceeds to work and and thereby essentially being able to leverage the power of deferral, but still get access to funds to put them to work today. Um, so, so yeah, yeah that's I love in it. a nutshell how it works. Well, it's like they become their own bank essentially. Yeah. So, you know, we used to have that in our tagline. Um, you know, we, we got some, some flack for that at one point, but, but I still like it. it. It's, you know, listen, we, we have built this thing knowing our clients are the most sophisticated litigators in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all have the best tax lawyers in the world looking at every one of these deals. And we feel very good about how this is structured. Um, but at the end of the day, to put it bluntly, it sounds too good to be true. And so, you know, the devil's in the details. I walk everybody through the details so they can fully appreciate why it works and how it works. Um, But it's very, very powerful, Uh, you know, so that it's something that sets us apart. Yeah, no question. And um, again, it's part of the the big idea approach to servicing families and people that we love at Bridgeford. And and you're right. You know, it's interesting. I I didn't think about it from the perspective you just gave me, which is, you're dealing with some of the brightest legal minds and tax minds on the planet. So you really better have your act together, right? And you better have the answers and and this better not be too good to be true. And uh, I know I felt the same way when I first uh, learned about it from Brian and your team and, and thought, well, geez. And so we, we do a lot of research as well. Um, I'm not, my expertise isn't tax, but we, we had it vetted, as you know, by our South Dakota attorneys. And they came back and said, it isn't too good to be true. This is, this is pretty powerful. And uh, we're, we're thrilled to be doing it with you. Help me understand the, the fee structure. You know, I, I, I mean, the tax deferral is so compelling, I would imagine, that, that really the, the, the fees are, are not really ever going to be an issue when you explain to an attorney just how much they can save. And, and then, of course, the, the asset protection piece and everything else that can come to it and the lending. But how do you structure fees around this? Yeah, so, you know, I'll just start by saying if we can't get them excited and sold on the economics of it, um, fees don't matter, right? And that's sort of, I think, is the, is the, is the corollary to what you just said about fees not mattering, mattering because mm-hmm. it's such a mm-hmm. good, good solution. Um, but on the fee side, we, we try to set it up very much like a structured settlement where we have a commission up front. We charge 3% on the front end one time of the amount deferred. And then the assignment company charges about 50 basis points annually for their administrative fee. Um, so really, it's, it's two components. It's one, one time up front, and then it's an annual uh, 50 basis points. And, you know, that's, that's essentially the standard terms on most of our deals. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it generally works. I mean, we've, we've been asked on occasion to look at how some other folks charge and and we always come out cheaper because of the of the annual being so low. Um, but we, we're happy to entertain those conversations and model it out. But um, that's how we charge. Uh, we don't have anything to do with the money management. So whatever mm-hmm. the money manager charges is what they charge. 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we charge. I mean, you know, a structured settlement is typically 4% commission. So at least we're, we're significantly under that on the front sure. end. And then of mm-hmm. course we have the administrative fees. So, uh, that's how it works. Well, so I think it's remarkably fee sensitive, uh, and not at all cost prohibitive. And I, I like what you said, and we do the same thing at Bridgeford too, which is, you know, when, once you have people that understand the concept, the fee becomes inconsequential because they, they really want this solution that, that you brought to the market. And, and again, I, I, I can't say enough about my excitement and our excitement about it. Um, you know, I know that uh, recently you ascended to the leadership of the company. And, and again, uh, congratulations. I know under your leadership, great things are going to happen. I do know, though, the circumstances were somewhat sad. And I did want to mention that uh, to our listeners um, and sort of pay some tribute to Brian Michaels, who you mentioned I initially met uh, and he sort of vetted Bridgeford and taught me a lot about this. And uh, sadly, uh, he passed away from cancer. Um, and um, you know, I know that during his tenure of leading the company, great things happened, and he was a very bright, uh, articulate, uh, and, and talented professional. And I'm sure his loss has been felt at the company. Um, and I just wanted to again offer condolences to you and your team. But uh, as I as I said earlier, though, I know under your leadership, the, the success and the evolution uh, will continue. Um, but again, we are we are sorry, and I'm, I'm sure that's had an impact. So tell me, as you've ascended to the leadership of the company, how has that sort of changed your perspective a bit, uh, if at all? And uh, what are your vision? What, what, what are your what is your vision uh, for the company going forward? Absolutely, yeah. First of all, I appreciate the comments about Brian. Uh, Brian was, you know, he was he was one of the OGs, as they say, right? So he was he was here in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the the you know the architect behind kind of how this thing was crafted. He was a tax lawyer, uh, a smart guy, good guy, good person, um, mm-hmm. and helped build this mousetrap, if you will, for, for, for whatever, 10, 12 years. Um, so, you know, huge, huge asset to how we are, where we are today. Um, he was a good friend of all of ours. He was a good colleague and uh, certainly was, was, uh, was horribly sad that he passed away after beating cancer and then, you know, the complications really ultimately, um, is what, you know, caused his passing. So, um, sad, sad day for sure. But, you know, he, you know, he had set up a really good, um, you know, set of, uh, solutions and, and something that we all had become very comfortable with. I had worked closely with him on a lot of the legal aspects of it. So, um, you know, we, it's like, it's like any organization, you, you got to kind of pull yourselves up and, and you got to figure out how to carry forward. So that's mm-hmm. done. Uh, you know, we've got a great team. Um, and, and, and Joe Papel, who, who's my, my sidekick, if you will, and, and the financial mind behind all of our deals. And then Adrian Carter, who leads our commercial efforts, as well as a, a, a several operations folks that, that, that do the, you know, the real work, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you know, we've got a great team. Uh, we're, we're full steam ahead. Uh, we, you know, the, the reality is we track the mass tour community. And so when there's mm-hmm. a lot of cases settling and fees being generated, times are good. Uh, when there's a big trough in the market, uh, you know, we're looking to be creative. We're looking for, to get in the class action space or to get in, look at more personal injury practices that we don't typically talk to. Um, so we've got a lot of opportunity in front of us. I mean, as, as I'm sure most folks listening are aware, there's a lot of litigations that are, that are kind of percolating and, and or close to resolving. You've got the 3M earplugs, you've got 
the baby powder uh, J&J case. You've got uh, the Paraquat herbicide case. You've got Roundup still going on. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's the Zantac litigation that, that someday will come around. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it, there, there's a lot of positivity in the market. Um, our job is to stay in front of these folks, keep innovating, keep working with partners like you guys to kind of provide the best in class solutions. And we're definitely excited about where the where the future is is going for us. Well, you forgot to mention Johnny Depp, and that uh, uh, you know I assume that's uh, probably not quite as big, but certainly more salacious. But uh, let's not let's not oh, start that goodness. conversation. I've, uh, I've heard enough, I've heard enough about that. I, uh, <laughs> I, happen to, I happen to catch <laughs> a few clips, you know, Facebook late at night, and uh, it was definitely entertaining. And you know, being a lawyer, you know, it's it's also sure. kind of fun to watch how the the lawyering happens, but uh, what a what a what a trip that was for sure. Well, and how it captured the attention of of the entire country and maybe even parts of the world. You know, I had to I had to remind some people, hey, there's you know, there's a war going on, you know, in Europe, and uh, and we got hearings going on about January six too. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? But no, we we had to talk we had to talk about Johnny Depp, but we can transition away from him <laughs> and back and back to me thanking you for being here today. I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and our work together and. You know, it's always great to find another recovering attorney, if you will, leading a business and, and doing big things uh, and, and being of use. I mean, it isn't just a business, I think, for both of us. Uh, I, I think we're both very passionate about what we can do with the types of creativity and entrepreneurial uh, approach to um, to solving problems. So we are thrilled to be partnering with you. We have You have all of our support, uh, not only as, as, uh, as we work together to serve families, but also um, as you grow and evolve. And, uh, and we're looking forward to, to being a part of that. So for our listeners, no, so for, so for our listeners, um, the information is going to be attached uh, for Tate and his company. So please take a close look at it, pass it along to personal injury attorneys or mass tort attorneys uh, that you may know. This is compelling. And in combination with, with what we can do at Bridgeford, um, I think it's some of the most sophisticated planning right now on the planet, which sounds a little dramatic, but in fact, I think that's true. Uh, and uh, and we're excited to continue to work. So again, Tate, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Anything you want to share with uh, with our listeners before we we let you go? No, David. I mean, you know, listen, this was uh, this was new to me. I hadn't done one of these before. This was exciting and and pretty fun to talk about. You know, you don't always talk about your own business uh, in the daily grind, so. Uh, enjoyed talking to you about it, you know, trying to figure out more and more ways to work with Bridgeford. We appreciate that partnership. And uh, we're here and available to talk to any attorneys who may have fees coming in and and don't want to send it all uh, to Uncle Sam. So we're excited to be there for them. Perfect. And I'm excited about the work you're doing. So thanks again for joining us. And um, this concludes our episode with Tate and Brocalo. Thanks, David. Take care. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. And for more information, you can visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.